is Gunnar Esaias, and then you are listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast presented by the Boomer Esaias Foundation and GunnarEsaias.com. This podcast series has been made possible by Vertex, Novartis, DCU, and Atlantic Health. The views expressed on Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast are that of Gunnar Esaias and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests, and are not necessarily those of the Boomer Esaias Foundation. Nothing in this podcast series should be considered medical advice. Such advice can only be given by a physician who's experienced with cystic fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation, Gunnar and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests cannot be held responsible for any damage which may result from using the information on this podcast without the permission of your medical doctor. You're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast. All right, uh, Gunnar Sison back here for another episode of Breathe In, joined by my lovely host, as always, Leah Farone and Tiffany Rich. How are you guys? Good. How are you Pretty doing? Good. Not bad. Not bad. I'm actually in the midst of IV tune-up um, about two weeks in, which is lovely. Yeah. Got another week yeah. left. Always my favorite thing to do. Um, yeah, I feel you. We can, but we can talk about that another time. Uh, today we have right. a very cool. We have a very cool episode on deck today. Uh, we're going to be talking about. Uh, some questions that we've gotten in the DMs. As we've always said, the DMs yeah. are open. Yes, and, and to, people and were sliding we read in. them all. Yes, and to prove... People pro- were sliding in. And to prove that the DMs are open, we're going to answer some questions in a mailbag-type episode today. Yeah. Uh, so we're just going to go through a bunch. Uh, that, you know, we'll, we'll see what we have time for today. Uh, we're going to bounce around from topic to topic, and then we'll... Well, you know, we'll see. We'll see where this goes, and then you know, maybe I think some of these topics can lead into other podcast, you know, specific podcast episodes about the uh, about the questions at large. Um, so here we go. Uh, our first question is from Instagram at uh, Read A Lot of Books asks, "What is our opinion about cystic fibrosis in literature or fiction?" So the the example that he used uh, was the the children's book, the new popular, I guess, it's really a graphic novel. Uh, called mm-hmm. Ghost by Randy Telgemeier, and uh, I actually just wrote a blog about uh, about that okay. about that uh, graphic novel. It's really really good. Uh, I, in my okay. opinion, I thought it was the most accurate representation of cystic oh. fibrosis that I've seen in fiction and literature in really my my time as a cystic fibrosis patient. Okay. Uh, you yeah. know, because I, 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 because I feel like we always see it. Like you see it in like Grey's Anatomy or Red Band yeah. Study, and it's all horrible. It really is not even accurate. And, well, if we talk about Red Band Society, the kid was smoking. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I'm like, no, that doesn't doesn't work. And was having, like, a CF romance. And, like, yes, there are a couple of those out there. But for the the community at large, that's not really a thing. You know? It's not an accurate representation. I think people are... And we don't live in a hospital. Yeah, no. People are also... No, 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 you don't. And people are, I think, consumed with the... What the hell is the name of that movie that you guys love? Uh, oh, Fallen Our Stars. Yeah, Fallen Fall Our Stars. Yeah, stars. Yeah. People... I never seen it. Remember? No, I she's did not never see seen it. it. I love it. Makes me cry every time. Oh but like, That's even why. the representation of that character in that movie is not mm-hmm. even accurate. Because there's a okay. scene where she's like trying to walk up all the stairs in like the Anne Frank house, okay? And they claim this girl is like end stage lung cancer type of situation on oxygen and she's like carrying her oxygen up like a couple flights of stairs and like ladders and stuff and she i know that been, you can't do that like, she would have you she wouldn't have been able to walk into the building but right up. you know she can right. handle I mean, a 50 hour flight to amsterdam in fairness hollywood right. is going to dramatize a lot of this stuff you know, just, <laughs> know. just to make it like acceptable for I the just screen. love pointing that out but right I, you know i think it's all I have yet to see a CF representation on screen, whether it's Red Band Society or or something else that yeah. is actually good. I, I, have, like, I haven't seen that. There's like a movie called Jack and Jill vs. the World. Have you ever seen that one? I have not, no. She no. has she has it's Freddie Prince Jr. And then the girl, Taryn or something, I forget her name. Um, but she had cystic fibrosis. It's kinda weird. Because she would just be like, oh, I'm in for a tune-up. And then it would just be like her going to the hospital for like one scene, and then it would be done. It was weird. I don't know. Yeah, it I, wasn't very know, accurate. I feel like whenever you see the, the fictional representation of CF, whether it's Red Band Society or the weird Grey's Anatomy episode, like they hit the yeah. they hit the 
the prime CF lingo or vocabulary just to be like, yeah, right. we, we did our research. They used it, you know, yeah. they talk about tune-ups, and they talk about IVs and this and that and the other thing. But exactly. like th- that's, that's really as far as it goes. They don't really dive into the actual character of a person with CF. I mean, there isn't really a singular accurate representation of somebody with CF as far as I'm concerned. But, right. it's, it, you know, it, it, I, I'm selling on this. I... So, Other than Ghost, yeah. I haven't seen something that, I, that I've that i liked. Yeah, so Bates I Motel, agree. have you ever seen that? No, I haven't seen that one. I hated so, that show. Okay, I never seen I it, only but made I know it that the producer, the producer, someone on the cat, or on the production side has CF, so they have a girl in there with CF. Yeah, Lisa, so my I, sister, used to watch it, and, um... Okay. She said that there was a girl with CF, but I just could not get into the show enough to yeah. watch it. To watch it, yeah. yeah. I just didn't know if it was. It's all. It's all very. Sub, it's all very subjective, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. First, you have to like the show. Like Red Band Society, the yeah. actual premise of the show is horrible. It was horrendous. Yeah. It was I bad. Like, I couldn't even make it to the show. pilot. The pilot was horrible. Okay. Um, I I watched it. I like. I gave it a little bit of effort. Oh god. <laughs> Unfortunately, those are hours you're not going to get back in your life. Those, those are wasted <laughs> hours. Those okay. are absolutely wasted hours. That show sucked. Yeah. So I mean, what do we think about CF in literature and fiction? I think persons got to really do their their research. And oh yeah, as far as I'm concerned, the book Ghost, the graphic novel Ghost, mm-hmm. and I've seen there are parents out there who have like who take accept, uh, exception to the to the to the story Ghost because the the kid with CF is actually very sick in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you got to get over yourself. You get you get sick with yeah. CF, and that's the most accurate representation of of it that I've seen in yeah. the fictional realm. So I'll have to I, check it out. Ghost is good. We'll have to it's, check it's, it out. It's it's it's, it's, a, it's a quick graphic novel read. Actually, Darcy, my girlfriend okay. Darcy, she was the one that that told me about it. I had no idea about it, and then uh, she was okay. the one who she was the one who did it. So um, oh okay cool. <clears throat> so that's that. Sweet. Okay. All right. So on to the next topic. Um. Let's go with this one. This was actually a pretty interesting question. This one also comes from Instagram. It's from at Miss Scarlet Rose. Um, do you follow the doctor's advice and or prescriptions exactly without deviation? Uh, and do we, you know, give our opinions back to the doctors in, in, in place of that? Are we blindly following doctor's orders? Um, what, what do you think about this one? This is actually an interesting question. I don't think I've ever really gotten this question before. Um, yeah, I think you know, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you guys think? Um, I can only talk about my personal experience and, you know, I've talked about this a little bit on Instagram, especially a couple weeks ago, that my medication regimen is very different than most people with CF. I don't follow the four week course of most inhaled antibiotics or, you know, the normal two week course of antibiotic, like oral antibiotics. And the only way that we figured out what worked for me was because I deviated from the plan. Um, and I don't recommend that to people. I mean, I really think it was a very open discussion I had with my doctor and, you know, we talked it out and I was like, you know, when I hit week three, I start feeling like crap, you know, and I feel like disinfection's acting up. And he was like, you know, like, it's okay if you want to play around with it a little bit, because, you know, for you, it might be a little bit different. So it definitely was a discussion where I have a very good relationship with my doctor. I'm very comfortable talking things out with him. And we usually work together as a team and kind of, you know, bounce ideas back and forth off of each other because it's CF is different for each person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have kind of played around with what works for me and yeah. it's worked out for me, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it would work out for anyone trying that situation. I do think you need right. to talk with your doctor about it. I, you know, I think so. Um, I know before transplant, um, for antibiotics, I know orals never worked on me and I would tell the doctor, you need to put me on IV antibiotics because that oral is not going to work. And I knew that because of my body and I know how it reacts and they would push oral antibiotics, but I would tell them, no, you know, I would try to, I would like, no, that's not going to work. I'm just going to be back here in two weeks. So you just kind of know your body and you kind of go with that and tell them, be your own advocate and tell them, you know, this is what's working for me. And I know that that's not going to work. So I feel like that in that case, if you know your bo- you know your body better than the doctors, just talk to them. Don't do it without telling them, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, I, you know, you guys are both talking about p- being an empowered patient. And I think that's really yeah. what it comes down to, whether or not you can be an empowered patient. And 
Some people have the ability to do that. Like they have an inherent ability to talk back to their doctor, which I think is a very healthy thing. And yeah, other right. people don't have that ability. Uh, so, you know, mm-hmm. people are just either, I want to say they're, <coughs> you know, they're, they're nervous about it or they just, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. But ultimately what it comes down to is really looking into and reading into what mm-hmm. you're taking and why you're taking stuff. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, you got to understand what every single medication is doing for you. They all serve a different purpose. You just have to know what they're there to do. Right. Um, and, and I, I do think, uh, you know, as far as following a doctor's orders specifically, yeah. I mean, if a doctor tells me to do something, I'm almost absolutely totally. certainly going to do it. Uh, because right. yeah. you know that person has spent, you know, decades studying cystic fibrosis and the evolution yes. of cystic fibrosis, and that person right. knows exactly what's going on. I <laughs> like to say that I provide feedback. To the doctor, yeah, right. Totally. You know, I like I know like you, like you girls. You know, you guys know what works and what doesn't work with antibiotic regimens and uh, mm-hmm. and things of that nature. But at the same time, I wouldn't start self medicating myself with some crazy supplement. That's, no, that's, no, that's, um, that, that no. is like an idiot. That's, that's, think... that's, that's not that that is not what we are endorsing here. We are no. endorsing talking about uh, basically expanding your treatment regimen to include conversation with the doctor yes, and with exactly. the care team so that you may best benefit from what is being prescribed to you. Exactly. Kind of like an example is when I was going through my really six stages, Lee and I would talk and the albuterol that I was taking was making my heart race a lot and I couldn't really handle a treatment anymore. So she kind of said, well, maybe you should ask about the Zopinex or whatever. And that's how I went to my doctor and asked them about that. And we kind of figured out a regimen, you know, that's how right. I got into that. I so I could, I don't better. think it hurts to, you know, talk with other CFers and kind of see what works for them. And, you know, that mm-hmm. might work for you, but I also think there's a lot of things out there that talk about natural remedies and people inhaling different types of things that aren't necessarily prescribed to them. Um, people in hell, I see a lot other of things yeah. is like the most insane yeah. thing so I, I, even... I can't really wrap my mind around that oh and I, you know I've definitely researched some of them because you know it's interesting to read about but mm-hmm. even in those situations I'll like talk about my doctor not because I necessarily want to try it but I'm just kind of curious you know and I yeah. think like if you're someone that sees those types of things online and you're like oh maybe I want to try that with my regimen I yeah. think that is one thing you should 100% talk to your doctor about yeah, before don't you do even it. attempt that. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, yeah. because that could be very, very, very self-harming. I, I mean, um, um, yeah. the thing that I, like, most recently, the medication that I've, I get, it's not, it, I don't even know whether it's really a medication or not, is the NAC, the N-acetylcysteine. And that is something that's been used in cystic fibrosis for years. It's been used worldwide mm-hmm. for years. In fact, it's proven to be effective in pulmonary fibrosis. It's mm-hmm. sort of it's been studied in cystic fibrosis, and there has been shown to see FEV one improvement, but it's 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 shown to sort of be an anti-inflammatory. And whether or not that's something okay. that benefits a lot of people or not, I don't know. But uh, you know, it's something that they do use in different parts of the world in cystic fibrosis, and some doctors still are are very aggressive with uh, the neck. And we the brand name is Mucamist, uh, and yeah. we can get over here. We can get it over the counter in the United States. And I was talking to a number of patients. A lot of them use it. A lot of international patients use it. And they, it's actually in, you know, I get it from Canada and I asked my doctor about it. I was like, you know, what, what about this knack stuff? Is this something that I should, should look into? And she's like, hey, you know, if you want to take it, yeah, go for it. You know, it's, it's something that obviously right. people with CF are using, you know, mm-hmm. that's, and it's, it's something that's worked for me. And I, I take knack daily now and I, you know, who knows, is it, maybe it is helping with inflammation. Maybe it's not, I don't know, but I seem, I, you know, I, I, I like it. And that's something that I brought up with my doctor. We discussed the pros and cons thing. and and then now I also think like if it gives you a better quality of life it might not you know make your numbers go up or something like that but if you feel a little bit better from that it's and not a bad thing it. to add it's in also, it's also yeah. just, you know it's it's generally considered safe or whatever by the FDA right you know, yeah so. but it's yeah. definitely something they used to out. they used to give me that in the hospital oh before. really yeah yeah, yeah, I've never had it. Yeah. It's kind of like but, uh, people used to take it a lot before Pomazine because it like it yes. sort of like reduces yeah. inflammation in the chest or whatever. Uh, Pomazine. Yeah. Some people feel that Pomazine has sort of pushed it out, but you know who knows. Um, I actually, I actually don't know it. I drink it. I drink the. Neck. Oh, you drink it. See, it's yeah. it smells really bad when yeah. you inhale it. Yeah, you can miss it's like gross. sulfur. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, okay. so it's gross. Let's move on to the next question here. Um, okay. 
Have we, this one comes from Instagram as well, at Little Larch. Um, have we felt anger or anything towards our parents because mm. of the genetic code that has been passed on to us? So, uh, do we hold our parents accountable for giving us CF? Um, no, I, 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 do, I no. do not hold my no. parents accountable for giving me CF. No. No, definitely not. Yeah, I no. mean, I feel like that's a pretty easy one to answer. Like, no. Yeah. Really, it, it happens, you know? Everyone's yeah. life is going to have some type of hardship, and it's going to break yeah. away from the norm at some point. Exactly. Ours it's just, just a, happened a lot sooner. This you is know? a hand you we were dealt. Of that. Right. Yeah, we, we make the most of it, and no, it's not our parents' fault <laughs> at all. I, I, I'm personally, I'm pissed that I don't have blue eyes. <laughs> I know. I mean, we can go back. We can go back and look at like specific parts of our genetic, you know, outcome. I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy that I'm six foot three. That's a cool one. You yeah, know, that's not cool. not that's, so. That's nice for for being a guy. Yeah, not yeah. so not so happy. I don't have blue eyes. I mean, you know, like <laughs> you get what you get, right? You know, that's kind of yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. no, I, I I do not feel any hate no, or anger either. towards my parents for giving me CF. No, yeah, definitely uh, not. That's not a. That's not enough. That's a. That's actually a pretty common question, but that's a. That's a. It big, is. That's it's a actually guy. a really good question too. It is I a mean, very good question. I think I'm if sure I were a parent in that situation, that. I'd wonder. Yeah. Yeah. They think about it, and they probably feel some remorse, and you know, like. I think it's similar to no. like, you know, how we've talked about how we feel guilt when we ask other people to do things or. You know, have to accommodate our life a little bit. I think yeah. a lot of times our parents feel guilt that they mm-hmm. even put that on us, and yeah, probably, yeah. Probably. they shouldn't feel guilty. Yeah, you know, no, they that's a, yeah. That that's life. that's a no. All right, so uh, here's one. This one comes from <coughs> at Hobo Spice Nine on Instagram. Um, do you have any tips for flying? Oh yes, I you love my it. seat covers. Yeah. Uh, I get them. They're just disposable seat covers. They're great. You know, Clorox wipes. Yeah, Clark tried and a mask, of course. Yeah, any type I of mask. I think those are. Honestly. And when you use the Clark wipes, wipe like everything down. Even wipe down the um, seatbelt. Yeah, well, yes. the seatbelt's the big one. What I use, I go in there. Yeah. I have the, I have like the little routine, right? I wipe down yeah. the tray table. Yes. I wipe mm-hmm. down the armrests. I mm-hmm. wipe down the seatbelt, and then yep. I mean, I, sometimes I'll wipe down the actual seat itself. But basically, I wipe down the whole seat. Anything I'm gonna be touching with my hands. Yeah. Um, is, is is something I'm gonna whip it down, especially on like and, on the commuter jets. You know the jets they just turn yeah. around. You know if you're, oh, flying, yeah. if you're flying a more of a longer distance or whatever, they they maintain them uh, yeah. as far as the cleanliness you know, to a higher standard. But the commuter jets, the ones that if you're flying from like New York to Boston or Boston yeah, right. to DC or whatever, those are you know, those are planes <laughs> that they turn around really quickly and they don't give a good thorough cleaning. So those are the ones yeah. that I'm more you know more anal about when it comes to yeah. comes to wiping stuff down. And also then the if mask, you have the mask. A- if you have a window seat, I always wipe down the, yeah. the window area, yeah. like the walls the wall. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I think that's like the best. I'm, a, I'm personally, then, I'm an aisle seat person. I like, you know, I got. Okay, well, because you're bars. tall. Yeah, it's because you're tall. Yeah. You need that room. Um, yeah. Do you guys do anything? You know, the air thing. The, the air. Yeah. Um, yeah, that thing. I always turn oh, it off because yeah. it's circulated I air. It off. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I keep that thing, air, I keep that thing so. blasting on me. I'm like, give me the air. Oh. Give it and to you're me. Like, getting all the germs. <laughs> so you're getting all the germs oh, on you. Yeah, I turn it so off. So nasty. Uh, but it's so hot. <laughs> or just I bring, blow it on the person in front of me. Just bring like one of those uh, portable fans that you can put on your phone. <laughs> the bit, well, the That's big what I'm going to get you for your birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. The big cool. thing yeah. flying that we, we haven't talked about is the... The letter of medical need. That's the thing that you really yeah. need, oh, yeah, so that you can so that you can carry everything on, and you can get it through TSA. I mean, that's that's yes. that's the big thing. You get it from your social worker. You know, a list of yes. medications, list of devices, a phone number for TSA or the airline to call. Yep. But if that's like an emergency. that's the big one. Or or I'm really saying if there's an argument. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that too. <laughs> you know, but I, mean, uh, I honestly add that too. Have never had to show that to anyone. I I haven't either. Yeah, but, but you're not. Yeah, I haven't either. But I think you're I do, not supposed to have to. Exactly. Or I, whatever. I, I do, but I do I always do, have one. So do I. I do think. Yeah. In in talking with other families with CF and stuff like that, it, it seems that the like families traveling seem to have more of a difficulty with this, right? If there's like a family with like five kids and one kid has CF, for some yeah. reason that like that kind of family runs into issues, and I the reason I think that happens is because I think people. I'm not saying people in the shift community do, but I, people out there do definitely abuse the system, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah the, the, I agree. the system is there to help us. 
we're not yeah. there to take, you know, not there to gain the system. We have to utilize mm-hmm. the system that's at our power to to really make sure that we're getting what we get. But I do think that there, there are people out there, you know, whether or not they have CF or they, you know, dealing with something else that abuse the system and use it just to for convenience. Yeah. You know, we're, yeah. we're, oh, we're, yeah. using, it, we're using it because we have to. We use it because we're getting on the airplane first because we have to put all the bags away. We have to, you know, make sure right. we're getting down the aisle. By the people... time I do all that, I'm suffocating, and then you put me all the way up in the air, and I just pass out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, those are the things that, the big things from traveling are obviously yeah, making sure it's clean. Yeah, pre-boarding, the letter of medical need, carry everything yep. on, and, mm-hmm. uh, and the mask. The, the mask never, never check your ma- meds. Never check yeah. those. Sometimes they'll always have, keep them with you. Yeah, sometimes they'll force you to kind of like do something a little unusual, but you just got to be, you got to be stern with them. You got to be like, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not doing that. And yeah. then I, I love to be like, do you know how much this vest costs? You're not hand, like, you, you, <laughs> oh my god, I, I do that all the time. Like, I'm not. You, yeah. you are not touching this thing. Like, I will put it away. Mm. You know, that's right. not. You know, that that is not your responsibility. It is my responsibility to make sure that this thing gets from A to B under my possession. Yeah. So, yes. you know, that's, that's the other one. Yeah. Don't give anyone control of the vest ever. No. Ever. Um, all right. So that's a good question. That's the, that answers that one. Uh, all right. Um, this one's for you two girls because I don't really qualify for this one. How many pick lines did you guys have before you had a port inserted? How many pick so lines did you have before I don't port? think either of us really know the answer to this question. Because it's a um, lot. I had a lot. It was a significant amount. I'm going to guess. Hold on. I'm going to do a real quick count. I know. I know. Um, I have, I like, see some of the scars like, still. Because when they put them in when I was little, they didn't really know what they were doing. Um, well, I had, like, pick and midlines, one, too. Two, so I have, like... The midline. The midline is, like, the, eight, is like nine, the JV eight, version of a oh. pick line. Yeah, like it's smaller. Like it only goes to like your arm length yes. or whatever. Um, I don't know. I have a whole bunch of scars, so I'm just gonna say I have no idea. But it was a lot. I'm gonna <laughs> go with between fifteen and twenty. Wow. Okay, I think mine's mine might be a little bit more than that because yeah, you probably were most likely. I know you were. Um, and then they tried to put one a few in before, like after transplant too, and did not work. Did so, oh yeah, yeah bedside. Remember we were talking about bedside. Another, the, uh, the bedside. Episodes? The bedside pick line is like the dumbest thing ever. Just <laughs> interventional radiology. It doesn't work for me. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. The bedside. No, yeah, they, the, yeah, bedside pick line is like the the lazy way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I'm not. I, like, I would never subject myself to such a horrible yeah. thing. I tried it twice, and it was the most traumatic experience of my yeah, life. Horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous. So yeah. And I had the central lines oh, yeah, after turns. Like like five. Yeah. But yeah, I've had so many I've had so many picks and midlines that I, I think I'm I lost count. Yeah, I'm and then four came into play. I'm in the I'm in the twenty neighborhood myself. I am definitely up in that I'm definitely up in the the twenties, I think. Um yeah. but I don't have a port because I am on team pick line. You're not. I hey, am on you team are. pick line. You need to get one and you're cool with you getting stuck. <laughs> hey, it's yeah. your choice, but I'm just saying it. One day when you decide to get a port, which you had, probably will decide to, you will be like, I why didn't port. I do this sooner? You guys were right. You're welcome. I had my port flushed yesterday. It did not hurt or anything. So, Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> I did mine last week. All right. All right. Next question. Next question comes from at Haley20 on Instagram. Uh, she wants to know, how old were you for your first hospital stay? Or when was your first hospital stay? Well, other than when I was born? Yes. Oh. I was like probably a few months after that. I would oh. think I was. I've been in the hospital like all my life. What so was like, like even the first, time that, the first time that you have like a real conscious memory of being in the hospital? Um, like when I was seven or eight. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Mine I think was that's a little when later. I really, yeah. Um, my first time I was ever in the hospital was I think um like seventh grade. Uh huh. Sixth or seventh grade, and then I really didn't end up in the hospital again until either once in high school or it was after high school before college. Okay. So well, was it when you did your port or like right before your? No, port? even when I got my port, we did it all outpatient. Okay. And every time I had a bronch, we did it outpatient. Every time I had a pick, we did that outpatient. Mm-hmm. Um, the only times I was really ever hospitalized were. If I coughed up an extreme amount of blood, so 
the time I was in sixth or seventh grade, that's the first time I had a significant I, amount of hemoptysis. Yeah, that's when um, I had my embolization is when I was 12. Wow. You were that yeah. little? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have mine until I think my freshman year of college was my first one. Oh, oh really? Exciting yeah, news, little... everyone. Oh. This is kind of off topic, but I was really excited last week when I found this out. So you all know I've had a million embolizations, and um, we get a lot of feedback on that. People don't understand how I've had nine, but I have. Um, I met someone who has had 38. Oh, wow. Wow. Goodness. 38 embolizations. Yes. Wow. That, yes. That's a lot. Holy Damn. crap. So if I need them, I <laughs> keep going. You're not, you're not, the leader, you're, you're not the leader in the clubhouse anymore. I, uh, my, yeah. fr- my first hospitalization was I was – other than when I was diagnosed, um, it was when I was 19. I was a sophomore in college. Um, right. I did everything outpatient growing up. I did, you know, outpatient pick lines. I did outpatient. Yeah, it's how it was for me, too. I would do bronchoscopies. I'd do it same day outpatient. Um, there was one time when I um, I, I had, like, a, a longer-than-usual recovery after a bronchoscopy when I was little. And they thought I was going to have to stay inpatient, but I didn't. I was able to go home. Oh, uh, no, I might have had one like that. I think I was inpatient one time after a bronch because it didn't go well. So yeah, sometimes sometimes the yeah. the recovery is just a little longer than than normal. Yeah, it's usually for like a day or two, and then you're back. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I this this I have a question. This kind of goes along with this. When was the first time you ever had IV antibiotics? Mine was in first grade. Yeah, Mine was second grade. Yeah, first grade for me. I had to be when I was five or something. I think I I think I may have done it when I was diagnosed. I think when I yeah. was, you know, I, cause I was diagnosed <laughs> late. I was diagnosed at age two. So I uh-huh. think for me, it might've been around then, but, um, but your first like memory, yeah, my, first, my first memory of it was first grade. And then I would do it every, you know, two or three years. I used to hate it. I used to, you know, scry- I did too. Scry- I'm pretty sure I did it like every other year for a couple years. And then it became every year. Yeah. Then it became like every six months, and you know, yeah, I think I'm, like, the window between them just gets shorter and shorter. Yeah, and I then remember fifteen pick lines. Yeah, I had like a few years that I didn't have to do antibiotics, which were amazing. That's awesome. Um, but that was in elementary school, and then I feel like when I hit middle school, then it just became the the norm <laughs> to go in, and we didn't. I don't remember when we started doing home. IVs. I know I always went in for a few days uh-huh. inpatient, and then I would go home. But I think we st- we started doing that um, probably when I was 13 or something, mm-hmm. uh, going into high school and doing all that. So I think that's when we started doing it. I used to do the full two weeks in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's rough. That sucks. Yeah. That's horrendous. I always see yeah. I always see kids doing that, and I'm like. That oh, that sucks. That. That's horrendous. Some centers so don't believe in like doing home IVs. I guess that's the biggest load of crap I've ever heard. Because I've yeah. actually, I've, I think it's that, more risky to that's be been, in the hospital. Oh my god, it yeah, is. It's a lot more risky. To be oh, in it hospital. is. You also can't yeah. get better. You're sitting in a room all day. Exactly, right. and that's Super why. Room. I mean, I understand that not everyone is responsible enough to be doing IVs, and then I think there's, also, there's a couple things that come into play with this. Different things. I think it depends on the doctor. I think it depends on what the parents are capable. Of yep. being able to balance, which I mean, you know, everyone has lives. They have jobs. They have other kids. Exactly. Like they might not be able to make it work. Um, and then also insurance. I mean, some people's well, insurance, yeah, insurance is also the other part will cover it in the hospital, but they won't yeah. cover it at home. You yeah, know, sure. and it's unfortunate that which a lot makes, of times health gets dictated by it, that. It's stupid though because it should be cheaper for home care. Home care should be. Oh, is, it should. You so, know, should and be. it just blows my mind that yeah. they'd rather have you in the hospital where you're not going to get. You know, Did you come I don't know. Way? I don't get better there, but that's just the me. The law is written. Yeah. It's idiotic. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. So we'll move on from that. Uh, okay. Let's see. Where are we? Uh, okay. Uh, this one comes from someone studying to be a teacher in grad school. And at MaceJM9 from Instagram wants to know uh, so some of the things that teachers did that were great. Uh, what do we wish teachers did? And how do we think it's best for teachers to support someone with CF, you know, or someone with special needs in school? Yeah. I think giving extra time when we're not feeling good for certain assignments and tests, I think that's really helped a lot. 
and especially uh, for eating in class. I think that was really nice. Yeah, <laughs> that was, like, eating and going to the bathroom during class yes. were big ones when I was younger because yeah. it wasn't really a thing they would let you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in nursing school, it's kind of interesting that you couldn't have a bottle of water with you yeah. when you were in certain like class situations or if you were mm-hmm. taking a test. You were not allowed to have a bottle of water, probably for cheating purposes, yep. but yeah. I was in a situation where, I mean, if I was sitting down to take a two to three hour exam, I couldn't go the whole time without a drink of water or not being right. able to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Um, so that was one of those situations where you have to sit down with your dean of students or someone that can make those accommodations and, mm-hmm. you know, be able to have a drink, go to the bathroom. Honestly, sometimes you might need extra time because... If you're having to drink, go to the bathroom, and you're coughing up a lung, I mean, that does take away from your focus. Oh, definitely. Sense, definitely. You know? And so, I, think, I think those helped yeah. a lot, especially later in life. For, like, grade school, meeting with the parents and the student is really important mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. all the information you can. And uh, <laughs> I know we always gave a flyer from the, like, for CF about the disease and stuff. So I think that helps, too, just to... Mm-hmm kind of educate them yeah, that, on what your child is going through. I think, yeah, looking back at, you know, the younger years, the the earlier years of schooling, uh, those are the big ones, right? Like making sure the teacher was on the same page as the parents. Right. Uh, and, that's I, and I also, I, I loved teachers and coaches when I was younger that knew how far to push me. You know, they weren't, yeah. they weren't, they weren't going to like make CF the, the big, the big thing in my life. They just knew mm-hmm. how far to push me based on my health and they would find exactly. ways to push right. me even further each time you know I'd go for mm-hmm. a, you know a workout with a coach or in school yeah. you know they you know they didn't treat me any differently than other kids simply because mm-hmm. I had CF you know that I was held right. to the same expectations as everyone else yeah. uh, but ultimately what it came down to was whether or not I could you know my health was was stable enough to do something and a lot of times it was and mm-hmm. teachers treated me like everyone else and that I think was the big thing you know to treat me like everyone else you know I look back at you know certain uh, teachers that you know I would have IVs I would go to school with IVs and you know my mom you know my mom or whatever wouldn't they take lunch or whatever would come and meet me and that's how we do my midday infusion or we would just mm-hmm. time around the school day somehow we'd work with the doctor about choosing antibiotics and things like that of that nature yeah. and the school was very yeah. willing to work with me you know, mm-hmm. I was I was able to carry my pills with me. I didn't have to go to the nurse. Yes. You know, you don't exactly. want to basically add hurdles to to the students' dead no. because that you know I that's mean, how it'll suck. I don't yeah. think you also want to like single them out and make them feel different. You know, especially because when you're going through those developmental time periods, I just I don't think that's important. You know, mm-hmm. like I think you need mm-hmm. to learn how to like grow into yourself and who you are, and CF is going to play a little bit of a role in that, but. I don't know. I think certain situations like having to go to the nurse to take your pills or, you know, I think in other situations, there are people that kind of baby you in a sense where they're like, oh, well, are you sure you can handle this? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know myself best, even at the age of six or seven, you know, yeah. like, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. you have to be there and be receptive to if they're having a rough day, maybe mm-hmm. they have to come in a couple like an hour later or something like that. Or if they're going through IVs, you might have to accommodate that they might have to leave the class for 45 minutes to go do that. But I think it's important to still keep them on a routine and, mm-hmm. you know, make them feel like they're just like their peers, you know? Oh, definitely. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. Um, all right. So, that, I mean, that, that's going to answer that question. I think uh, let's move on to the next one here. Um, <coughs> this one's from a – this one's actually pretty funny. This one's from a, a new mom uh, asking about her new child – her newly diagnosed – a kid with CF, and and the mom wants to know uh, if our social lives, our social lives, have been impacted by being sick. Um, if you know, partying has been influenced by us having to do treatments. How to manage our treatments <laughs> like if we're going question. out partying? Um, I love, I love the parents that ask questions that, like, a kid is not going to have to experience for like twenty years. Right. We're talking about a, it's like the mother of like a newborn who just got diagnosed with CF. Yeah. And she wants to know if the part if, 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 if her kid can go out and drink Bud Lights with some friends when he's <laughs> twenty years old. Um, <laughs> you know, I think uh, the forward looking questions are always really funny. Um yeah. Let's put it this way. You know, I, I told the story a few days ago about using a GQ, uh, a few podcasts ago about using my GTube to funnel beers. You know, that's, yeah. you know, be, I, you know, I think there's, 
I think there's definitely room to go out and have a good time. Uh, <laughs> exactly. In, in, in spite of CF. I yeah, agree. Um, I think what I did, you know, during my years where I went out a lot, um, I don't really do that as much anymore. I have a social life, but it's a little <laughs> different. Um, yeah. What I used to do though, was a lot of times I would plan my night out around my treatments in a sense, yeah. but I'd also make sure I could accomplish majority of the night with my peers. So yeah. that usually meant that maybe I skipped dinner with everyone and I did my treatments during dinner. You know exactly. what I mean? That way, if we were going out and we were going to go to a pregame and then we were going to go to a bar, we were going to drink somewhere. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about Leah might be drunk. Is she going <laughs> to do her treatment? You know what I mean? <laughs> sometimes no, that's hard. So you might funny. not end up back where you're yeah. able to do your treatments, you know? So, it's... so a lot of times I would plan ahead in those also, situations. Putting, putting the vest on after like, 13 Bud Lights, not fun. Yeah, yeah probably not a good yeah, idea. No, that is not a good thing. Yeah, I I know my friends always <laughs> had my back after we were out for a night of drinking. They would be like, Tiffany, did you do your treatment? Did you do your treatment? Tiffany, let's do your treatment right now. And they would get it out and start mixing my med for me. Oh my and God. they would make sure that I was set and I ate. They're like, you need you need to eat. We need to get your calories up. It's funny. And as all as, that as soon as like up. alcohol becomes involved, everyone becomes like the mega nurse, right? Yeah. Like, right? All of a sudden, becomes very involved in your health. It's like all of a sudden exactly. it just amplifies for every single person around you. I mean, I think like yeah. like we were da- there's days when we were in college where we were, like we'd go somewhere and of course like someone some asshole would light up a cigarette or something inside, yeah. and next thing you know, like oh, my, yeah. my friends would act like the fire department. You know, like, yeah. be like, dude, like, like uh, stop, drop, and roll, Gunner. Or, like, we'd have to, like, get out of the house. Or, like, they'd, like, yeah. they'd throw that person out uh, or something. I, you know, uh, it's funny how stuff like that happens. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the big thing that I always did, and you, uh, to, to the mother who asked this question, your kid's going to run into this in 20 years. You know, I made sure that I, I did my treatments before anything ever right. happened. Right? You always, that was you, how I was most successful. But, it's also, you go but, out. but I learned that, like, from growing up, too. Right. You know, if right. my parents ever want to take us out to dinner with like family, friends, or like, we're going out to celebrate a birthday party or something like that, I would always do treatments before we'd ever yeah. go anywhere or do anything, you know, right. uh, because, you know, because you're going to get back. It's going to be late and the kid's not going to want to do treatments at like at midnight. So, right. you know, that's that's a, that's a skill or a, you know, a habit that I learned early on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I think it plays a role in your care, even when you're not out partying. <laughs> yeah, you, know, exactly. you just got to learn how to. Plan out your day so that you Time can, management you know, be successful in your treatments and your care, but you also can live your life and have fun and do things that your friends just are doing. Just a balance. It's just yeah. a balance. You'll I mean, you kind of find, you find, you find places to do treatments, places to do nebs, how to travel with your oh. nebs. Like, that's, that's something that comes Definitely. with time. And it, it may seem daunting now, but it's something that everyone figures but. out. Because let's put it this way. If you really want to do something in life, you're going to figure out how to do it. Right? Oh, You're going to figure sure. out how to how to manage your treatments and your time and all that stuff that goes into it to figure out a way to, to, to do that. Like, um, like I found a way to meet Taylor Swift, so. <laughs> right, it always yes, ties exactly. in that. It always goes back. I'll back. keep okay. you updated when I find a way to meet a sloth. <laughs> okay, so yeah. we're going to uh, – we're gonna. the last two questions will combine into one. Uh, okay, the first okay. part of this question is uh, how do I get my 10-year-old daughter to take her treatments more seriously and how can she stay healthy? been a while since she's been sick i feel like that hasn't been a motivating factor that comes from at c neil 77 on instagram uh, and then this other one comes to me came to me on facebook the facebook dms um, oh. and this one asks uh when did you take over your personal care um and mm-hmm. did you ever ignore that responsibility was there a power struggle with your parents so i think these two are kind of related in the sense that um we're talking about getting older and as care evolves as we get older right so yeah. for little kids it's obviously gonna be difficult but i you know yeah. i'm a big believer in you know the, the iron fist when you're oh, when, when, when you're a kid. I mean, like you gotta you gotta you have when, to dis- you have to discipline your kid. You have to yeah. have a very short leash with the treatments. I mean that's like yeah. something that has to be right. ingrained from day Agreed. one. You have to do these, right? Yeah. Well, the right. only way you always... can ingrain that is by sitting your kid down, giving them no real option, and saying this is what you have to do. Yeah, and you, can, you know, yeah. and you're I you're not think, gonna go have fun. You can't go outside. That's what my parents did. Is done. You know, yeah. every day in the yeah. morning and at night. And I did not have a lung infection or breathing issues until I was a little bit older. So, I mean, that really didn't hit until middle school. 
So I didn't really know what it felt like, but I know that I had no other option or I was yeah, not I mean, going to be able to do what I wanted that day. You got to be hard with the kids on that. And yeah. you, know, like, you can't be afraid to like weaponize things, right? You can like, yeah. you can, for example, you can weaponize Christmas. You know, you know, Santa Claus is going to see if you're not doing your treatments and you're going to end up on the naughty list. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's when you're, you know, weaponize the video games. You can't play your Xbox mm -hmm. unless you're doing your treatments or, you know, maybe you can yeah. only play your Xbox mm -hmm. when you're doing your treatments. Like those, there's, yeah, exactly. you have to motivate okay. kids at, at different ages, at different ages to do it. And you have yeah. to be hard on it. You have to be hard. You do. And I think my yeah. parents would, you know, occasionally bribe me if I was going through a really, really rough time period where I really didn't want to do those things. You know, and yeah. I don't always agree with that because I don't think you want to make your kid entitled because I think that could easily do that. Yeah, but I think occasionally it is. I think occasionally bribing is not a it's bad fine. way to go. It just should right. not be regular. When the time is appropriate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I always was in charge of my meds. Um, in a way, they kind of made me more independent because my, both my parents worked. So I would have to go to daycare and... I knew that I had to do those treatments. Oh, I wow, needed to do those. Yeah, and I was I was young, and I learned how to do every single thing because my parents said, you know, you you got to <laughs> be independent because we're not going to be there all the time. Right. And you're with a daycare aide, whatever. And she knew of my CF. She was taught all about it. But ultimately, it was me that needed to sit there and. Um, do it, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I think is the is the is Zoe trying to make a guest appearance here? No, I think uh, trying. I, I uh, you know, I that's actually interesting. I, I've never really heard about that from a young age from like Me someone either. being so empowered to do it mm. themselves. Because that kind of goes to our other question: What age did you really take over the care, and did you have a power struggle with your parents? So I, Tiffany's was when she was about five. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany was, I was a child. Tiffany was a child prodigy. Very independent. You know, I, um, yeah, no, I, for me, it was, as I was in high school, that's when I started to, yeah. you know, start to take things over step by step. Like I would, you know, the first step was, you know, learning each individual medication and what they did. And then the next, oh, yeah. you know, was, was how to, you know, build them and how to, you know, the, the medication that you had to reconstitute, like Colistin, for example, I had to learn how to reconstitute it with a syringe and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, too. Um, and then, you know. The, the the step after that, the like the last step before college was learning how to sterilize my nebs. You know, my, my for whatever reason, my parents would not let me boil the water or sterilize the nebs uh -huh. until they felt that I was appropriate of age. And then I think by the time oh, yeah. I was also in college was when I when was when I you know my parents let me get the the pick line extender tube so that I could Whoa. do it, so I could do it with myself. Uh -huh. my, they wouldn't let me have that when I was younger. But okay. I, was, I wasn't allowed to yeah. do that when I was younger. Yeah, I feel like mine was similar to yours. Like. You know, high school was probably learning the medications more in depth. Yeah, I mean, I knew everything did before did that. Certain order, because yeah. like I do think you have some type of knowledge of that even prior to those ages. But mm -hmm. it was a lot more learning how to manage my personal care when it came to the nebs and the vest, and you know, yeah, and even IVs. Having... I remember IVs were a big deal because so my parents always kind of balanced what they would help with so a lot of times yeah. my dad would be in charge of ivs like that was his thing yeah. i think he would have thrived being a nurse to be honest yeah. he loved it <laughs> um that was one of our biggest struggles was yeah. having my dad give up doing the ivs mm -hmm. um i'd be like no you know like i was very anal about it and i wanted yeah. it done a certain way and you know when i hit that point where i was comfortable doing it myself yeah. i remember that being a big power struggle we had a hard time, like, cutting the cord with that one. Uh, yeah. um, there was just, like, you know, certain things like that that it took time, you know? The big, the big power struggle for me was going to the appointments by myself. Like, yeah, going to the doctors by do myself. Like, I, <laughs> like, when I was younger, like, when I was younger, my, my mom, you know, my mom was always, <laughs> my dad would occasionally come feel for the big ones or whatever. <clears throat> but you know, by, the time, by the time I got to adult care, uh, it was the, it was the very first thing my doctor said to me because my parents brought me to the adult care, uh, mm, you know, yeah. the adult the adult CF appointment, and the first thing that happened yeah. was my parents got thrown out of the room, and I was just me and the doctor. Yeah, in the room. yeah. And like obviously that's a big show, you know, that like the doctors always do. But you no, know, doctor said to they me, do. you know, Gunner, you can come to these things by yourself. Right, and it, right. it it took me probably six months or so to really do that, and then as soon as I started going by myself, I was like, oh, this is 
you know, I now I can go on my own schedule. I can do this, that, you know, right, it's, right. you know, it's not that big of a deal. I, you know, there are kids out there who see it that go, that start going to appointments earlier and looking back, I kind of wish that I would drive, I would have driven myself to my appointments when I was in high school yeah. because that's how you start to really manage to care yourself because you're going to get news from the doctor, good or bad news. And you right. have to learn how to digest that news yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think oh, yeah, going right. to the doctor yourself definitely promotes that. I mean, I, yeah. I always call my mom or dad as soon as I leave the doctor, but right. there's, there is still a point in time. As soon as I, you know, from walking to the doctor's office to either the mm-hmm. x-ray or to the, you know, the car or whatever, where I'm digesting whatever I just heard and learned yeah. by myself. Mm-hmm. And that's a, oh, right. that, that's a, that's something it's, that I, you know, you, you have to learn how to do. And you that's, do. that's it. I, I think I when I was... I always call it cutting out the middleman. Like you're cutting out your parents. Yeah. You're cutting your parents out of the. Yeah, of the I, also, yeah I, I think it's a hard transition, um, especially when you go from peds to adults, and yeah. you know your parents aren't allowed anymore to call when you're sick. Okay, I remember that being a very big deal, where mm-hmm. I was so used to if I didn't feel well, my parents would call the doctor. Yeah. They get it situated. They get my antibiotic. They get it all under mm-hmm. control, and that was one of the first things I had to learn how to do when I moved mm-hmm. into the adult clinic because. My pediatric clinic didn't really promote that. They weren't like, you know, Leah, you should really start doing this. It was kind of like I got to adult. They wouldn't talk to my parents because they didn't have verification they could talk to them. Mm -hmm. And that was up to me. And I remember that was very hard on my parents, too, because it might have actually been harder on my parents than it was on me because I was like, okay, like once you develop a relationship with people, it's really not a hard thing to do. But, you know, they wanted to help me. They wanted to be able to. Figure well, out they've been involved. Help me. Every, been every so CF involved. parent wants to micromanage yeah. their kid. That's what it comes they down do. to. And it was it was very hard. I mean, we have went through, I feel like, stages throughout the course of my life where it's like, all right, they let go of this aspect of helping me and I take that mm-hmm. on. You know what I mean? It wasn't really a everything hit me at once and I had to do everything on my own at once. You yeah. know, it was like gradual baby steps. I kind yeah. of feel. You know? I think and, I, th- I thought it was a good transition, but it was definitely hard. You know, I'd have to speak up and be like, you know, mm-hmm. mom and dad, I'm ready to take over this. Like, yeah. I do not want you doing this. And it right. it was so hard for them to give up those things because they only want the best for me. They mm-hmm. only want to help me. I know? know that like when I was in high school, my parents, my mom would always take me to the doctor, to clinic. And then when I got into college, I started taking myself. Then when I got sicker, I would always want someone with me because I felt like after I did all the PFTs and then I was doing the evaluation for a transplant and all that stuff, I would be exhausted walking that six minute walk, doing, you know, my PFT and all that fun stuff. Um, I felt exhausted and I don't, didn't think I could drive myself, honestly. Um, but I feel like when I got bad news, like when I got told that I needed a transplant, I was by myself and I think I needed, I wish I had someone there, but like you said, Gunnar, you digest it and then you kind of understand like, okay, so why is this happening? And what, how can I kind of tell my peers and my family about this big deal that's happening? That's not so ideal, but right. it's, yeah, it's, Something that is good to go take yourself, but then when you get into the cases of not feeling well, then yes, of course, like yeah, I mean, what you're comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that like if I have pneumonia or whatever, I'm driving myself. Yeah. My mom's still definitely driving yeah. me if I yeah. am feeling very, very sick. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you got to get, yeah. however you got to get there, you got to get there. Yeah, um, right. But, you know, I, yeah, I think it's, I, I do think that parents in a lot of cases are unwilling to just let go of the reins so easily because they, Oh, it's hard. It's such a big part of their lives too. It Um, is. And that's, we are their lives. That's kind of where the, I think that's kind of where the the struggle exists. Yeah. Um, It is. But you know, that's one of the only things I still like my dad, he stopped coming to appointments pretty early on. Um, you know, yeah. he was with me probably all the way through high school. And then once I got to college, that was one of the things that, you know, I kind of phased him out of. But, like, my mom, for the most part, she comes with me to majority of them. And it's more of, like, I think it's a, a mom way thing. for us to just hang out. It's you know what I mean? Thing. As weird as that sounds, like, 
I do appreciate having someone there. And, you know, if I get difficult information, it is nice to have her there and kind of talk it out because, you know, I have had kind of some rough times over the past couple of years and making the right decision. You know, I get a lot of anxiety about it. But, I mean, it's more of one of those situations where we turn it into a positive experience and she really just comes so we can, like, spend time together and talk, yeah. you know, and then no, we usually go to dinner after. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. you know, okay, like, because I don't see her a whole lot. I live with her yeah. and I don't even see her, <laughs> you know? Right. No, it's true. Like, after my Stanford appointments, there's the nice mall. So me and my mom go to eat and uh, go shopping. And it's kind of like a nice bonding time in a way, you know? Yeah. But I also don't have a problem going by myself. Exactly. I my first couple appointments doing that, you know, and I love my team and I like love going yeah. to see them, which is bizarre to say, you know, but I, you know, I, I think really I enjoy seeing that. That's something that yeah. happens to a lot of patients is I think a lot of patients do find yeah. comfort in seeing their medical teams. And I, I mean, yeah. I'm definitely one of those people because I know that, you know, that's, that's a very active way of managing your health, you know, it and is. that's yeah. a good way of doing it. Um, all right, so we're we're way over the time here, so we have to okay. we, have, we have to wrap this up. Um, okay. <laughs> all right, so this has been a cool mailbag episode. We'll 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 come back to this again. There were a few topics yeah. that we didn't get to, um, but those are also topics that I think we could dedicate full and episodes. Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. So in doing so, we'll 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 get back to that. Uh, just know that we have senior questions, everyone. We have yes. senior questions, um, but we'll 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 get back to them uh, in 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 future episodes here. Um, I think. Uh, I think it's pretty much it. Remember, you can, the DMs are open, as, as evidenced by this episode. The DMs are open at breathe yes. underscore in underscore pod on Instagram. Woo. They're the yeah. Salty Sisters on Instagram and Facebook. I'm Gunnar Esiason. You can get them at saltysisters at gmail.com. Make sure to check out their Etsy store. That's where the Breathe In t-shirt is. One of these days, yep. we'll, we'll wear the Breathe In t-shirt on the show. One yeah, of these days. next week. When it's, yeah, when, next when it's week. consistently warm. Because it's a short sleeve t-shirt. When it's consistently warm. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. And then... Uh, uh, my email is gunnersblog at assassin.org, uh, or you can just hit me up on whatever social media, I guess. Um, and I think that's it. Do you guys have anything else to say? Or No, okay. but thank you all for listening to yeah. my really raspy voice. Yes, Leo, hope you feel better. Hope yeah. you feel better. Yeah, yeah, I'm working on it. Feel better. Um, thanks for all the questions. Yes, this has been a good episode. All right, guys. Well, yeah. thanks, uh, thanks, everyone, and uh, we will see you next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye.